Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 62 of the John Riley Project. It's Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. We are broadcasting as we always do from the city in the country, Poway, California, 92064. This is the Backyard Edition. Uh, where you can tell we're out here outdoors enjoying a nice, uh, quiet evening right around sunset. And we're kind of shaking it up with the podcast studio. Um, I've actually kind of got kicked out of my podcast studio. I uh, set it up in my living room and my son has a couple of his teammates here from the University of New Mexico baseball team and um, they've sort of taken over the living room. That's the uh, the podcast studio. So I'm out kind of experimenting a little bit here in the backyard trying a little bit of mobile technology and let's see how it works. Um, hopefully the sound quality and the video quality are working for you but I thought we could have a little bit of fun with this. So so next uh, series of podcasts I'll probably be doing from my backyard, some in the evening, some during the day, and we'll have some fun with it. So I hope you'll enjoy it with me. Um, today, we're going to talk about a couple of, of, I guess, big issues, but they have a local context here in Poway. We're going to talk about property rights, and we're going to qu- talk about equality under the law. And I think there's some recent news here in Poway that gives rise to having this conversation. Um, There's a number of policies that have come forward from our local city government, and I thought I'd just kind of run through it. And for those of you that enjoy this podcast, I know many of you live here in the North County inland area here in San Diego County. Maybe you're from Rancho Penasquitos or Forest Ranch or Carmel Mountain. Maybe you're from Rancho Bernardo or even here in Poway where I live. You know, I do talk about a lot of local issues here, but I do try to get into a lot of other topics. I like to talk about um, I like to talk about politics, particularly from the perspective of liberty. I like to talk about entrepreneurism and capitalism. I speak often about self improvement, about um, electric vehicles, which is another fun topic I enjoy talking about, and talking about sports. And as a matter of fact, in this episode, we're going to touch on a lot of those things. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. So. Well, before we we get started, though, I always enjoy just sort of sharing with you some things that are going on in my world. And this past weekend, I had a mind-blowing experience that happened to me. Um, I actually was able to set foot in and walk in my childhood home. Um, And this is a house I haven't been in since about 1985. And um, it was an incredible experience. And let me kind of tee it up for you. Every once in a while, I like to go on little road trips, take my electric car and see how far I can go. I enjoy the gamification of finding charging stations and playing along with that. I've driven my Hyundai Kona out to Albuquerque, and and this was my second trip going up to San Francisco. And I went up there, you know, just to kind of have a long weekend get away for a bit, but I also enjoyed an opportunity to do some family history research, which I've been doing. I've been really enjoying Ancestry.com and doing research on my family and documenting it all online. It's a lot of fun, and it's like a big puzzle. Really enjoying that. Um, And another project I'm working on, and and really, it's really an excuse for an adventure, but there are 21 California missions in the state of California, and a couple years ago, I made it a mission my to go visit all 21 of those missions. So on this last trip, I got to visit two more. I went to Ventura and to San Rafael, and that makes um, 11 of the 21 that have been on my list. So I, I just had a great time, you know, and uh, visited a friend of mine up in Marin County. You know, shout out to you, Jack. Thanks for having me over at your parents' uh, lovely home in Ross. Uh, that was fantastic. We had a great conversation and and uh, hung out on the patio where it was so quiet and uh, enjoyed a few adult beverages. That was a good time. But um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I, I was out there and I started because I'm doing these videos with the podcast, I figured, hey, I could record some videos and share them on Ancestry.com. And and so I, I said, well, gee whiz, I can set up my phone with the video camera and my little tripod and just stand in front of some of the historical homes that have been in my family or historical places and then just share a five to 10 minute story. And I thought that'd be a great thing to have in posterity to share with, you know, my downline or maybe even, you know, my cousins or whomever is interested in family history. So I went to my 
cousin's house in San Jose, and I did a recording there, and I went to the Little League fields in Burlingame where I played baseball, and I eventually worked my way to my childhood home in Burlingame, and I, you know, set up my little tripod and my my camera on my uh, Samsung Note 8, and was just recording a video, and I was about eight minutes into it, and I could see, you know, because you could see yourself in the video, I could see someone behind me kind of looking around they were kind of curious what I was up to then he eventually approached me and I stopped the video and he was like who are you <laughs> I mean he didn't know what I was up to and we had a conversation it turned out that it was my next door neighbor Bill from when I was a little boy growing up and he was still living there and God, we connected and we must have talked for an hour and a half talking about his family my family we talked about all the neighbors in our neighborhood and all the crazy stories and it was just a ton of fun. And as we were wrapping up our conversation, we were standing in front of his house. And right around that time, a few people that live in my old family home happened to walk out the front door and they were going to get the hose to water some plants in front of the house. And Bill, you know, my neighbor, my former neighbor, rushes over to them and says, oh, you need to meet John. And and they and Bill brokered the introduction. And I got to meet the family that lives in my house. And we talked for a little while out front. And then they invited me in. And at first I was taken aback. I was like, no, no, that's your private space. And I don't want to you know, invade. And they said, no, no, we would like you to come in. And so I did. And I joined them inside. And wow, what a mind-blowing experience. So this is a, a home that, you know, I, I moved into this house when I was one and a half in 1966. I moved out in 1982 to go to college. I had returned a few times to visit family, you know, throughout the next few years. And then, you know, in the mid-80s, my parents moved to Foster City. And so um, I hadn't been in the house since 1984, 1985. So Wow, that's like 35 years ago. And I was still a teenager back then. And this is a house that I grew up in. This is a house where I was an infant and a first grader and a sixth grader. And it was amazing. I mean, I I walked in the house and so many things are still the same. You know, the, the, the living room, the dining room. I mean, sure, it had been upgraded, uh, you know, with new paint, crown molding, new ceilings, new floor, you know, the whole thing. But it was still the same. And it was like I was in a time machine. Um, and the house was just so small. I think the house I grew up in was probably about maybe 1,100 square feet. Um, and back in the day, that was a normal house. But here in Southern California, where I've lived pretty much my entire life since I came down here to go to college, you know, an 1,100 square foot house is, is a relatively small house. So it's one thing to go back into your childhood home because when you're little, everything seems bigger. But it was also a modest sized home. And so I was just amazed at how little it was. And got a chance to see my old bedroom and oh, it was just so special. And then, you know, the family that had invited me in, they were the third owner since my family moved out. And so over the course of time, there have been a number of upgrades. They actually did an addition onto the house, expanded the kitchen, and they showed me through that. And, and uh, we went to the backyard. And I mean, the family that was there was so gracious, so warm. But I mean, I was... I was just blown away. And when I got, when I was finished and I got in the car, I had originally planned to do a few more videos and I was working my way up to San Rafael, you know, actually to Ross where my friend Jack was, but I was just so mentally exhausted from that. I just couldn't, I couldn't continue. I couldn't continue with my little project. So I just got in the car and, and just started driving northbound. I did stop, by the way. If you're ever in Millbrae, California, go to El Super Burrito. Um, there's a, an amazing uh, burrito taco shop I used to go to all the time when I was in high school. And, uh, I, and that place is still there. And the menu is pretty much the same. So I enjoyed that. And then I, I headed up to, uh, up to Ross. Uh, but wow. I mean, maybe for some of you, your parents, maybe they still have the childhood home that you grew up in. But maybe for some of you, you haven't been there in a long time or if you've ever been there at all in 
decades. So for me, I, I, it was just 35 years ago. So, um, so I, I was just so pleased. I mean, it was just a really amazing memory. So I, uh, I didn't take any photos inside. They, they offered, but I just felt that would be too intrusive. But I, I'm, I've written a blog uh, article about it that I'm posting into my ancestry file and um, just an incredible experience. So I, I just wanted to share that with you. If any of you, by the way, are doing family history research, I would love to talk with you. Um, I would love to have a, you know, a private conversation or if, if you're interested, I would love to have you join me on this podcast. And we could talk and we could share stories about your family and my family and maybe some of the research that you've done to learn more about your roots. I would be fascinated. I would love to learn that. So if you're interested in being a guest or you know someone that might be interested in coming on to talk about family history, I welcome that here on the John Riley Project. So, okay, so let's... um, Let's talk a little bit about these issues that I teed up the podcast with. We're talking about property rights and equality under the law, and there's some recent news here in Poway. And, and there's two stories that we're going to get into. And, and the first one is um, a, a piece of news that came out, and it had to do with security around places of worship in the city of Poway. And, you know, I, I have to, again, tee it up. I want to share with you what this is really about. For some of you that, if you if you live in Poway, or you live here in San Diego County, you, you know the story. If, even if you are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Tampa, Florida, you probably also know the story. And it was in April, and we had an awful, just terrible event here in Poway, where a shooter entered the Poway Chabad, which is really only about a mile in this direction from my house and killed a woman and injured the rabbi, injured a few other um, people in the congregation. And it was, it was national news. It was yet again another mass shooting, another shooting in a place of worship, another hate crime, another case of domestic violence or domestic terrorism, I really should say. Um, and as you could expect, we were all just shook. You know, our whole community was taken aback and, you know, the the wounds are not fully healed. I mean, that was only about three months ago, not that long ago. And, you know, as a city, we're we're still kind of, you know, there's still a lot of conversation, a lot of healthy conversation about hate crimes and about tolerance and about building community and and, you know, there's always discussion about the shooter and what his fate is. And I mean, so this is still a fresh wound. And our mayor, Steve Voss, um, I thought he did a really good job in the aftermath of that shooting. Um, he really showed great empathy. He put his arms around the rabbi, around members of the Jewish faith in, in Poway and really amongst all Powegians and was right front and center as a leader, as you would expect a leader to be in a case of a tragic story. And, you know, Steve Voss is actually moderately famous, I would think. You know, he's um, one of the few cowboy uh, mayors, you know, always wears a cowboy hat, so you know who he is. He's the chairman of the San Diego Association of Governments here in San Diego. He's also the only mayor that I'm aware of in America that has won a Grammy Award. Um, You know, his alter ego, Buck Howdy. um, And um, I think he did a spoken word for a children's book, and he won a Grammy for that, which is amazing. Um, But Steve Voss is, um, you know, he's kind of a, yeah, like the whole cowboy persona is is legit. I mean, that's kind of his, his upbringing. But he's definitely very much a you know, American values, Americana. Um, you go on his Twitter, um, uh, his Twitter page or his Facebook page, you'll see American flags. And, you know, he's all about embracing American values. And I thought he did a really good job bringing our community together. Um, you know, letting people express their emotions, providing a shoulder for people to lean on, to cry on. I think, he, he again, I'm kind of going on and on here, but I thought he did a good job. Well, anyways, 
there is a, there was a news story that came out about a week ago, and this was in the aftermath of the Poway Chabad shooting. And Steve Voss and the city council had put forward a um, a new policy about security around churches and around places of worship, synagogues, temples, and the like. And the policy in the city of Poway is that if you want to build a fence or a wall, you can go up to six feet high. If you want to go above six feet, you have to come before the city council. You have to state your case. And then the city council can decide to approve or disapprove. If they do approve, you get a variance, which essentially means you you get an exception to the rule. And then you're allowed to build a fence that's maybe a little bit higher than six feet. And so the proposal that was put forward, and I, I think this passed, if I if it hasn't passed, I'm certain it will pass. But the proposal was to give places of worship the opportunity to build a taller fence, a taller wall, without having to go before the city council and plead their case and ask for permission to extend that wall or to extend that fence. And by the way, we're talking walls. We're not talking about the southern border and Donald Trump. We're talking about walls on private property. Um, and so... It was interesting to me that this was put forward. I think in the aftermath of the shooting, it made a great deal of sense, you know, because people wanted to ensure that people can worship without fear, without fear of a crazy person entering their facility and shooting. I mean, so on that level, it makes a lot of sense. So I get it. I do. I understand it from that perspective. But... There's, there was more to it, you know, and I, I think I think one of the issues that really struck me is in one of the interviews that Mayor Voss did, he was on KUSI Channel 9, he was being interviewed on television, and he was explaining the new policy, and he said, well, you know, I just want to get government out of the way. So if they want to build a higher fence or a higher wall, they can just do it. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, right on. I'm with you there. I'm a, I'm a liberty guy. I'm a individual rights guy, a property rights guy. And so when, excuse me, when um, Mayor Voss came up with this plan to get government out of the way, I'm thinking, hey, right on. But then I started thinking about it and I thought, well, why, if he wants to get government out of the way, why is he only letting this policy um, have an exception to the rule for places of worship. Why should places of worship have a different set of rules than other property owners? If a business or a homeowner wanted to build a higher fence or a higher wall, why wouldn't they be allowed to do so without having to go before the city council and essentially beg for permission? If we live in a society that protects property rights, Shouldn't property owners be able to build on their property, provided that they don't violate the rights of other people around them, provided they don't harm people around them? But if someone had a six-foot fence and they instead wanted to make it an eight-foot fence, why would a property owner need to get permission in the first place? That's what I wondered. And so at this level, I was thinking... Okay, I get why we're doing this for the places of worship, because we want to ensure that they can they can pray without fear. They can pray in safety. And when Mayor Voss did this, and let's I mean this is kind of the cynical side of me, he's running for county supervisor. And by the way, he's doing well in the initial fundraising efforts, and I think he's probably gonna win. That's my that's where my bet is. Um but this is a nice PR move for him, too, you know, because it, it, it's an extension of the Poway Chabad shooting where I thought he did a great job. And it's still fresh in people's mind. It was an opportunity to be in front of the cameras and to do something that I think really I can't imagine barely anybody objecting to this idea of giving places of worship the ability to build better security around their, their own property. But still, it's... In my opinion, it's inequality under the law. It's a different set of rules for some people than other people. With all due respect to the places of worship, 
it's a special interest that's getting a special exception to the rule. And I think the policy is good to let people build on their property. I just wish that it was applied equally to all property owners. And that's my plea to the city council in Poway is to respect property rights equally and to give all property owners the same rights and the same liberties to manage their property just as the good policy that was put forward to give churches, synagogues, temples, and other places of worship to give them their rights to property and to, to property rights. So, um, so I put that out there as my plea to Mayor Voss and to the city. Equal, equality under the law, please. Okay, so um, that's topic one. Now, um, hey, if, if you like the conversation and, and you want to engage further, please join me on social media. I'm on Facebook all the time. Um, my podcast Facebook page is John Riley Project. I also have a closed group on Facebook that you're invited to join. And you just got to request permission to come in and I'll give you, uh, I let everybody in. And there I, um, it's called the John Riley Project Insiders Group on Facebook. And there I post a lot of bonus content, um, some videos when I'm out and about. I I probably should share one of my Ancestry videos on there. I'll I'll do that uh, because I'm about to post some of those to Ancestry.com. But I'll share with you an example of one of them. And maybe you'll enjoy it. But I I take videos when I'm out on the road and, and I put that bonus content on that Facebook, closed Facebook group, John Riley Project Insiders Group. You're welcome to join me there. You can also join me on, on Twitter at John Riley Poway. Um, usually I'm on Twitter. I'm always usually talking sports and talking politics there. Those are my two favorite topics on Twitter. And then Instagram, also John Riley Poway. And I'm kind of getting into the swing of things on, on Instagram. Uh, but I invite you to join me in social media and let's continue the conversation. Okay, so um, let's get to the second topic of the evening. And it's also about property rights. And it's also about here in our city of Poway. And it's the topic of granny flats. Now, granny flats have been in the news quite a bit lately, not just in Poway, but really in many parts of California. And what is a granny flat? That's that's like a guest house that people will build on their property. They'll... Um, you know, it might be an 800 square foot, maybe one bedroom, one bath, a kitchen, a living room. And it might be on the in the backyard. If someone's blessed to have a lot of property, it might be in the back corner of the property. And it, the plan was, is that was where an elderly parent could live somewhat independently. And now you're seeing some people talking about the granny flats as a potential... Um, I guess one quiver in the quill of solutions um, for the housing crisis. Now, the housing crisis is is a real deal. It, the housing crisis is a problem in the state of California. It's a problem in San Diego, and it's also a problem here in Poway. Now, what do we mean by that? Well. Housing is freaking expensive. It's really expensive. It doesn't matter if you're buying or if you're renting. It's really hard to afford a place to live in California, in San Diego, and even here in Poway. And people are struggling. Uh, people are struggling to make ends meet. People are struggling to raise their family. Um, there's a great degree of homelessness. And there's a lot of reasons for homelessness, and we can go down that list. But one of the many reasons for homelessness is the fact that housing is so expensive. And so someone makes a few bad choices, a few bad mistakes, and suddenly they can find themselves on the street and unable to come up with the money to move into an apartment. Um, So it, it can be difficult. It can be very difficult to afford to live here. And but, you know, in some ways, from an economics perspective, if you think of it strictly from an Econ 101 perspective, it kind of makes sense to a degree. Um, California is a very desirable place to live. The economy generally pretty good here. And it's a spectacular place to, to live with the weather and all the amenities and, and all the attractions. San Diego 
is like a tourist mecca. This is a gorgeous place to live. It's America's finest city. There's going to be great demand to live here. And even here in the city of Poway, a city that was once again ranked as one of the safest cities in America, even with the recent Poway Chabad shooting, it is still ranked one of the safest cities in America. And last I checked, was the safest city in San Diego County. So there's a great there's a great desire to live in California, in San Diego and in Poway. Um, Poway is a great place to raise a family. That's why my wife and I live here. That's why we raised our family here. Poway has very good schools. I, I speak from an academic perspective, not from a business management or fiscal management perspective because there's issues there. But from an academic perspective, this is a wonderful school district that has um, provided great resources to kids in this community. And there's a, there's a high demand to live here. But we know what's going on with housing construction. There's very little of it. There, there's very little of it in San Diego County. And in Poway, up until very recently, there's been very little of it. Now, granted, Poway went through a surge of development in the 70s and 80s. But really, as we got into the 90s and, and into the 21st century, the construction of residential property really stopped. In many ways, Poway, with a few exceptions, has run out of land. Now, coming up here very soon, some of Poway Road has been reconfigured, and we're going to see some multi-dwelling units go in there, some apartments and condos, mixed use with commercial. There's going to be over a thousand units put on Poway Road. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing both pro and con. It's going to be great from a perspective of providing more opportunities for people to live in Poway. It's possible this will relieve a little bit of the pressure on the housing market, but it's going to create a great deal of stress on our infrastructure. It's going to create traffic issues, and hopefully the city is going to work through those. And then here in Poway, also, the farms at Stone Ridge is a project that is not yet under development, but it's definitely under in a planning stage now. And this will come to the voters very soon. And if that goes through, we're going to see over 100 homes put in in the former Stone Ridge Golf Course. And again, I think that will make a difference in terms of providing some additional housing opportunities. But really, these are the exceptions to the rule. There hasn't been much development. And so one of the things that city leaders have been tasked with is trying to find innovative ways to expand the supply to meet the demand. And if the supply can grow to meet the demand, then we might see the growth in housing prices maybe dampen a bit, maybe increase more slowly. Or in some cases, maybe we might see a decrease in the price of rentals or the price of new purchases. And I think that's the hope of a lot of city leaders. We did a podcast with, um, not with, but about Mayor uh, Kevin Faulkner, mayor of San Diego, and he talked a lot about this in his State of the City address to relax zoning regulations, re- relax um, building codes to allow for more high density housing and also to allow buildings to go increase in height so we can have more housing units um, on our limited footprint here in San Diego County. I like seeing some of these things coming forward. So the, the issue of granny flats is something that people have said, hey, we could do this too. We could build additional housing units on people's property and provide a roof over the head of a single person, a couple, maybe even a small family could move into some of these granny flats, provided the property owner was willing to put one of those up. And I think that's a step in the right direction, in my opinion, because it's a win for the person that wants to live in Poway. Now there's places to live. It's also a win for the property owner to give them an opportunity to monetize their property and to generate more income for their family. I think that's a win. And so I was really encouraged when I started hearing more talk of granny flats. But of course, one of the reasons that we haven't seen more of these is because of the regulatory environment. 
and you know the building codes and the fees that are necessary to put these granny flats in and and so that's when Steve Voss and the Poway City Council started coming up with some ideas and now granted they're still in the early conversation phase but the way the proposal was being set up is that the city would be able to selectively choose property owners that want to participate, at least participate in the initial test. And then those property owners would be given a loan from the city of Poway, a loan that would be used to help build this small house on their property. Then that, prop, that, that home would have to be made available to people that qualify for low-income housing. And there was one proposal that had a third party, a property management firm in there that would actually be the one choosing who was actually going to be in that in that home. In some case, there was another proposal where there was no third party. It was just the property owner making the choice of who moved in. And then the plan was because the city loaned money to the homeowner or to the property owner that the city would be able to participate in a revenue share from the rent rental income that comes from the property. And so I know from the perspective of some people, they're thinking, hey, this is great. We can provide an incentive. We can um, provide a, a, a secondary income source that the money comes back to the city. And I think some people were thinking this is a cool idea. And I know that when Mayor Voss put this forward, he was hoping that this would catch fire and maybe Poway would be used as a model for some of these other cities. But I had a big problem with the idea. Now, I didn't have a problem at all with putting in granny flats. I didn't have a problem at all with letting property owners put new structures on their land, new structures that they could rent out to people and rent out so they can generate an income stream for their family. I was fully in support of that. But when I found out that the city was proposing to put to actually loan the money to the homeowners or to the property owners, then I said, wait a minute now. Like I said, when Mayor Voss was interviewed on KUSI talking about the fences and walls for the places of worship, one of the things he said was, I'd like just to get government out of the way to make that permitting process easier to build a wall or a fence for a place of worship. That makes a great deal of sense. But in this case, if the city is actually extending loans and really ultimately jumping into bed with these property owners, becoming a business partner with these property owners. Now we have the government not just getting out of the way. We have the government diving in deep, the government diving in deep, doing central planning, pushing buttons, pulling levers to try to manipulate the local housing market in such a way to give an outcome that they think is favorable. But this is a real problem. I talked earlier about equality under the law. If the city has the ability to pick winners and losers, if the city can choose who they're going to loan to and not loan to, if the city can choose who to extend permits for or not permits for to build these granny flats, then we have a problem. Then we have a case of inequality under the law. The local government picking winners and losers, the government not getting out of the way, the government putting themselves right in the middle of it. And I think that's a problem. It was also interesting when they talked about the cost to put in these granny flats. And I know that Mayor Voss was hoping that it would be around $100,000. But it turned out the cost was much higher, almost double that. And of that amount, over $28,000 were just in fees that go to the city. And just as an aside, these fees that go to the city can be extraordinary in some communities. I'm not sure what they are here in Poway, but I read a story recently that if you were building new homes like in the city of Carlsbad, the fees to put in a new home are over $100,000 that have to be paid to the city. I would assume this is for the approval process before construction can begin. I don't know if this has anything to do with hookups for water or sewage. It might. That's a lot of money. And that's another reason, by the way, why housing so darn expensive. I mean, it's one thing that the marketplace makes housing expensive because there's high demand with limited supply. But it's another thing when the government adds all these unnecessary expenses that jack up the price. 
And that's what we were seeing here in Poway, that the fees to put in these granny flats were over $28,000. That's a lot. So if you want to talk about getting government out of the way, government shouldn't be in the business of, of offering loans to property owners. Lending money is not the role of government. Government exists to protect our rights, to secure our individual rights. It says it in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, that have certain inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it is the job of government to secure those rights and to ensure that our rights are protected. What does that mean? It means our property rights should be protected. And we should, because all men are created equal, what does that mean? Well, it means that we all are equal in the eyes of the law. We should all have the same political rights, the same rights of liberty. We should all be equal under the law. But when a government is getting involved in extending loans to people, now suddenly there's a process to approve and disapprove loans, to pick and pick and choose winners and losers. And to me, this is definitely way outside the scope of government. Now, I know in some of these initial conversations, they were saying, well, maybe we'll get a traditional bank to offer the loan. And that makes a lot more sense. Um, really, the right solution, in my opinion, is if Poway wants to encourage more granny flats, the answer is just what Mayor Voss said on KUSI Channel 9 News. Get government out of the way. Make the permitting process cheaper, easier, faster. Reduce the fees. Let people build on their own property. Let them have rights, property rights on their own property. And then those property owners, if they so choose to build, they will because they'll have the freedom to do it. But if if all of these incentives are set up by government to do it, it ends up creating these distortions and then you end up harming some people or rewarding some people at the expense of others. I mean, imagine if you know one person on Facebook, a person I respect greatly, Dana, uh, Dana, you know who you are and thank you for everything that you know that you shared on Facebook. She said if the if the city government is offering loans and picking winners and losers, this is just another way to extend privilege to the already privileged. Because let's be real, the people that are going to be putting granny flats on their homes, on their property, are likely people that have larger plots of land. And those will typically be the more wealthy people. And if the city government can pick and choose who's approved and extend loans, then you're going to find people that are already well-to-do being not only given special privileges, but really they're going to have the value of their property increased as a result. And that money is going to come from somewhere, right? The money that's extended in the loan to that property owner has to come from somewhere. And it's going to be coming from middle-class families, hardworking middle-class families that pay property tax. It's going to be coming from renters in our community that pay sales taxes. And that money is going to be used to enrich the privileged. That's another reason why government should not be in the business of loaning money, picking winners and losers. Government needs to treat people equally under the law. Government has no business being a financial lender. Not at all. So I'm hoping the city comes to its senses that they do explore the granny flats. Now, you know, the granny flats are not a silver bullet. They're not going to solve the housing crisis. I mean, let's again, let's be real. We, we might get a few hundred granny flats built in, in Poway, maybe 500. Um, that might put a small dent in the housing uh, crisis and every little bit helps. So I think that's good. But the right answer is loosen the regulations, loosen the uh, or reduce the fees and just let people that want to build, just let them make, make it simpler faster and cheaper to build on their own property. So that's my plea to the city of Poway 
as it pertains to the granny flat issue. And I, again, I saw a post from Dave Grush. He's one of our city council members. And to give him great credit, he chimed in on one of these Facebook threads. Usually our city council people um, don't jump into political conversations on Facebook. Uh, but he did. And he said, hey, man, it's still early. You know, and he's still listening. And he always offered to get people together for a cup of coffee. Uh, Mr. Grush, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, and hopefully some people take you up on it. Um, so anyways, that's my plea to the city of Poway. Equality under the law and respect of property rights. That's what we need. All right. So um, a couple of other people or, or groups and people I want to shout out to. And the first one is John Canavan. John Canavan was just appointed um, as the fire chief in the city of Poway. So congratulations to you, John Canavan. I know you've been here in the Poway Fire Department for, what, 15 years, something like that. Um, and you've been working your way up through the ranks. And, and uh, John's manager, Mark Sanchez, retired, and John was appointed to that position. Congratulations. I think, you know, tip of the red fire hat to you. Um, I got to know John. Um during our days coaching in Poway National Little League. Um, he has a son that's a year older than mine, and we were both managers. And his, his teams were always very good. Um, his son was a very good player. And he also is, a, John is a very good coach. And so uh, I would often... You know, my teams would sometimes play his team. Some years, because our sons were a year apart, some years they were in the same level of Little League. Some years they were on different levels. But I remember um, John used to remind me that he always wins championships. (laughs) And this was him, you know, managers are giving each other the business. And he was given me the business, but he was dead serious because he was very successful as a manager on Poway National Little League. And I'll tell you a story. This was in 2011, and his son was 12, and he was managing the Giants, and my son was 11, and I was managing the Brewers. And this was in the majors division at Poway National, and we went into the playoffs, and his team was the dominant team. They were the number one seed, and I think our team was the number three seed. And in the first round of the playoffs, we beat... Um, John's team. We beat the Giants. It was a big upset. And in the world of our little Little League, it was a big, big deal. Um, and so uh, we ended up advancing further, got to the championship game in a double elimination tournament. And John's team, the Giants, had to travel through the loser's bracket. And they worked. They were a very good team. And they worked their way up to the championship series with us. And we just basically had to win one game out of two. His team had to win two in a row to win the championship. And darn it, <laughs> we um, we lost both games. And uh, his team was very good. Um, I made a critical manager uh, mistake in how I managed my uh, my catcher and the number of innings that they were allowed to catch. Um, but. Uh, he was a very good manager, and he's a very savvy guy. It's no surprise to me he's the fire chief, and he's going to do well. He's going to do well for the city. Um, and so afterwards, we were at closing ceremonies, and, and and we saw him there, and he's like, see, I told you, I win championships. And I'm like, yeah, right on, John. Um, there was another time. It was that same season, and we were playing a game, and he was coaching third base, and he had one of his boys, uh, one of his uh, players at, at third, and, you know, his team was batting. Our team was in the field. And, you know, during the game, the catcher will sometimes take a moment to walk up to the mound and talk to the pitcher. And so our catcher uh, did just that. But apparently he didn't call timeout. And I don't think anyone realized it. Because when a catcher approaches the mound, it's usually sort of an automatic timeout. It just seems like it's a natural thing. But time was not called. I didn't realize it. A lot of other people didn't realize it. But John Canavan realized it. He knew instantly that time wasn't called. And as soon as our catcher got close to the mound, he sent his runner, and that runner scored. And there was immediately a big, you know, what's that? That's not right. That's not legal. And the umpire said, time was not called. So, again, John Canavan is a smart guy, and he's a savvy guy, and he's going to do well for the city of Poway. So congratulations to you, John, um, our new Poway fire chief. You got the better of me twice. (laughs) So, um, 
All right. It's all good, though. Um, I'm not bitter. <laughs> um, hey, uh, speaking of Little League, um, big shout out to the Poway National Little League All-Star team, the 12-year-old All-Stars. They, they won the District 31 championship and advanced all the way to the championship game in District 6. So they got pretty darn deep in the tournament, you know, not that far away from playing in the Western Regionals in San Bernardino. Um, so this was probably the best showing of a Poway national team in at least 15 years, maybe even 20 years. And for all of Poway, it may have been one of the, the best performances for an 11, 12-year-old team. So big shout out and congratulations to the Poway National Little League 11 and 12-year-old All-Stars for a great season and for representing our city. Thank you so much. Okay, so... Um, what else? Um, you know, I said earlier, if you know people that like to be a guest on this on this podcast, I'd love to have you. Um, we might be able to do the podcast indoors in the podcast studio when the, the baseball players move out. Um, or maybe we'll do it out here, um, enjoying the cool evening air um, here in the backyard. But I'd love to have you if you'd like to be a guest here. Uh, maybe you're a business person, an athlete, a coach, a community activist, an author. A columnist. There's a lot. Maybe you're a, a business developer. I'd love to talk to you, and we we can have a sit down, have a great conversation. We've we've talked with guests here that have been that are political candidates that are sitting um, uh, politicians on the city council and on the school board. We've had conversations here with community activists talking about issues related to diversity and inclusion, uh, talking about race based issues. It's very interesting. Um, so we'll have difficult conversations here where we can speak with one another respectfully, civilly, and in many ways I like to create this as a forum um, to have these kinds of conversations. In a lot of ways, I'm, I'm modeling my podcast, at least the interview portion of my podcasts, after the Rubin Report. Uh, Dave Rubin, I think, does a great job of bringing guests on guests that really are all across the political spectrum and sometimes he gets heat for that um, but he is curious he asks them questions he engages in conversation and I think that's a great way for us to learn for us to grow and I think for in many ways for our community and for people in the community to build trust and to overcome fear because the more that we can learn about and understand other people whether they're people of different religions, different races, maybe they're people in careers that we don't understand. Maybe they're people that are in politics that represent certain factions that people have problems with. We can explore these issues and I enjoy doing it. But sometimes we can just have fun and I enjoy talking sports, family history, um, We'll talk a lot of other t- issues, self-improvement. So if you know anyone that would like to be a guest on the John Riley Project, or if you would like to be a guest, please reach out to me. You can contact me on my website, johnreillyproject.com. There you can fill out a form and send me a note. Uh, my email address is john at johnreillyproject.com. You can send me a note there. Um, and hey, if, if you're interested in you know, supporting the show, Maybe you like what we're doing. Um, I'd love your support. I really would. It would be the biggest thrill for me for you to help spread the news about this podcast. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. And yeah, the first thing is, is just share this with a friend. Tell them, hey, there's this guy, John Riley. He's doing this podcast and it's about Poway. It's about Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Penasquitos, Carmel Mountain Ranch, Forest Ranch, Saber Springs. He talks about local issues with local people. But he also enjoys talking about politics and sports and entrepreneurism and capitalism and about a wide variety of other issues. Pass that along. Share it with a friend. You can catch any of my episodes. They're all shared on YouTube under the John Riley Project channel. Or you can see them or listen to them on any of the popular audio podcast platforms um, like Apple iTunes, which I think just changed its name to Apple Podcasts. Um, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn. There's a wide variety of other podcast platforms where you can listen um, to the podcast. So, you know, you can just stream it right from your mobile device, right from your smartphone. So when you're out for a walk, maybe you're out for a jog, maybe you're walking the dog, hiking here in some of our lovely trails in Poway, or maybe you're just on a road trip. 
and you just want to stream from your phone, you can get all of our episodes. This is episode 62. So we have 61 previous episodes that are available to you. So share them with a friend and that would be a great way you can help. Another thing you can do is if you'd like to financially contribute to what we're doing here, um, you know, we, can, we would love your donations. And you can go to johnreillyproject.com. Up in the menu, there's a donate button that takes, a, takes you to our Patreon page where you can make a single donation, just a couple of dollars. Uh, maybe you might want to subscribe and spend five bucks a month, ten bucks a month. It's whatever you'd like. Every penny we get um, from our donations goes right back into promoting this project, either by uh, taking out paid ads in social media. We just did a, another campaign on Facebook spreading the news about this project. Um, in other cases, we use it to um, invest in equipment. And like, for example, here's a, you know, I'm going to lift this up into the camera. I don't know if you can see it, but it's a new microphone I bought. And uh, because I knew I was going to be booted from my podcast studio. So I had to have the ability to do some recordings here in my backyard. So invested in a new microphone. So any money that we receive from this project, it's not going into my pocket to go, you know, spend frivolously. I reinvest every nickel I get into expanding this podcast, um, increasing the technology. Um, I have a, um, a business person that works with me. His name is Zeke Kitchen. Uh, helps me with a lot of um, video editing. Some of the money that I earn actually pays for him. Um, and then in other cases, you know, I'm sometimes buying some equipment. So we we'll appreciate your donations. And if you're a business and you like to be a sponsor, um, we'd love to have you. Uh, we'd be happy to talk about your business, read ads about your business during these podcasts, and maybe even do a live remote from your place of business. Um, so there's a lot of things we can do creatively. So this, I think, should conclude our episode here, episode 62 of the John Riley Project. I like to leave um, always with a quote. And um, if my computer here, tablet will cooperate, here it is. And this is a quote from President Calvin Coolidge, probably one of the more underrated presidents in American history. He said, ultimately, property rights and human rights are the same thing. And he is absolutely correct, because really, property doesn't have rights. People have rights. And property rights are really rights for people. And um, and ultimately, that makes them a form of human rights. So um, I've talked a lot about property rights in this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. This is John Riley. Thank you for watching episode number 62 of the John Riley Project. We wish you all a great day. Thanks very much for watching. Bye-bye.